Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom of Space. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Okay. Welcome to the Guest of Freedom, your block talk radio show. The producer is Leslie Guest, who is an author and historian. I'm your host. My name is Preston Washington, and our guest tonight is Alvin Max Smith. Are you there, Mr. Max Smith? Yes, I am. Okay. Are you tonight? I'm just fine. Okay. And it looks like our show tonight is going to focus on a little bit of genealogy uh, in reference to uh, Mr. Max Smith's ancestors who were freed uh, by their slaveholder. And uh, that was Peterborough, New York? Yes, that's uh, Peterborough, New York. Peterborough, New York. Um, okay, why don't you fill us in on a little background, uh, Mr. Max Smith, and uh, uh, tell us your, uh, your your the story of your ancestors and their freedom. Okay. Well, Peterborough, New York, was the home of, of Garrett Smith, who was uh, an extremely wealthy landowner. His father, Peter Smith, um, negotiated a, a uh, I'm not sure what to call it, quite frankly, but he he, uh, he connected a business deal with the local uh, Native Americans and became fabulously wealthy because he owned almost all of the land from here to the Canadian border, and the Canadian border is over 100 miles away, so you can... Sir Max Smith, could, could you speak up just a little louder, please? Yes, I can. So you yeah, can get yeah. an idea of, of... Is that better? Yes, better. Uh, you can get an idea of, uh, as I was saying, you know, Peter Smith, the, the father of Garrett Smith, um, entered into a, uh, a land sale agreement with the local Native Americans, which gave him a huge tract of land... And the sales of that land ended up making his son one of the wealthiest men in America. What um, was that tribe? That tribe, that uh, the Indian tribe, the name of the tribe. It was the Oneida Indians. Um, Oneida. But it probably entailed a number of. Here in Oneida, we have something. Here in Central New York, we have something called the Iroquois Confederation. Um, and that's comprised of six different tribes, actually. Um, Oneida, Mohawk, Onondaga, Seneca, uh, Tuscarora, and Cayuga Indians. And uh, it was a a significant portion of their land that he ended up owning. And they sold parcels of that land and, as I say, became fabulously wealthy. Um, Mr. His son, Garrett, however, considered that wealth to be a burden. He was uh, an extremely Christian man. He was driven by ideals of temperance. He 
avoided alcohol and tobacco products, and he felt that slavery was, um, you know, a sin against God. And initially, he was really all about the repatriation movement. He felt that blacks should be repatriated to Africa, and he got strongly behind that movement. Um, But it wasn't a very effective movement, and they found that most blacks who'd been here for very long didn't want to go back to Africa. So um, over time, he he later went to an abolition meeting and uh, became an ardent abolitionist. As a result of that, as a result of his support of abolition, um, the town and the village of Peterborough, the village of Peterborough really became a a place where most of the abolitionists of the day, William Lloyd Garrison, Frederick Douglass, um, Harriet Tubman and others, visited regularly. It was a place where they could uh, rejuvenate and uh, share their ideas, their concerns, and then go back out into the field to to continue their their agitating toward the abolition of, of uh, slavery. So this little com- community um, ended up being, for many blacks, um, and as far, even, even into the Deep South, people heard of, of Peterborough, and uh, there's a book written about it called The Place Called Heaven. One slave owner, one I'm sorry, one abolitionist was quoted as saying, there are yet two places that slave owners will never be, Peterborough and Heaven. Um, so at one point there was a thriving community there and it was a, a completely integrated community and uh, there were upwards of 30 families living there and my descendants are some of those original I descend from some of those original people who came there in, in or around the, the shortly before and, and shortly after the Civil War um, while only about 30 families stayed in Peterborough, it was actually a crossroads. Mr. Smith kept a ledger, an account book of all of the people who came and visited him on their way to freedom. And by the time he died, there were over 5,000 names entered in that book. 5,000 names? Yes, sir. Wow, quite a number. Now, you said there were 30 families. Was that 30 slave families or... They didn't all come from slavery. Some of them came to Peterborough to live, but they had been living in the north. And so, um, you know, some of the folks who were living there were not, had never lived in, you know, in slavery as we know it because, um, you know, the north stopped practicing it certainly long before the south did. But there were oh, okay. a, a number a number who, who did come from slavery. So how many of your descendants were freed by Mr. Smith? Boy, uh, (laughs) both sides of the family. Um, There is one family, the Russell family, who Garrett Smith married. His first wife died very early in life, and he was still quite young, uh, and so he married again. And interestingly enough, his, his... Second wife's family had owned slaves, and uh, oh. she began she began to tell him about 
the slave woman who used to be her nanny and wet nurse and how when they left the South, her father sold her and Garrett, in in typical fashion, said, well, we're going to find her. And so he he hired a Quaker from a town near here called Skinny Atlas. That gentleman went south in search of her and did find her living as a slave on a plantation in Kentucky. And the plan was that he was going to purchase her and bring her north. But he promptly telegraphed back, you know, telegraphed to, you know, to Garrett Smith that there's a problem. And uh, the problem was that she had gotten married and had four children, and he didn't have enough money to purchase them all. So Mr. Mr. Garrett Smith promptly sent him more money, and he purchased the entire family. The next problem that they encountered was trying to find a way to get north because they wouldn't let him bring these people on the on either the train or the stagecoach. And when he sent that message north to, to Garrett Smith, Garrett sent more money and said, well, buy the stagecoach and the team of horses and bring them north. And that, in fact, is what they did. Wow, Mr. So, Smith was well healed, wasn't he? Oh, yes, he was... He was he was estimated to be one of the rich, one of the two or three richest men in America at the time. Wow. Um, okay. But he was incredibly philanthropic with that money. Um, I've heard I've seen accounts that say in today's terms he gave away to 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 poor whites and poor blacks over a billion dollars in his lifetime. Okay. Does he have descendants still around? Do you know? No, he doesn't. Um, not that that we have, not that have ever come forward. I've heard rumors that he may have some family uh, residing, you know, at, at some location, but they have never seen fit to uh, to come to Peterborough. So I, I wonder about the veracity of those uh, of those who believe that he might have some family. Um, but if he does, they have had no connection to Peterborough for. A significant number of years. So that was the Russell family, uh, a female and her four children. Uh, transportation problems, couldn't get on the train, couldn't get on the stagecoach. So Mr. Smith ordered his emissary to to buy a stagecoach. Um, yeah. Did they, and how did they proceed from there? Well, they came north and um, took up residence in Peterborough. Um, the, the the mother and father um, and several of those children are buried in the Peterborough Cemetery and resided there throughout the remainder of their lives. Uh, two of the children moved away to communities rather rather close here, but but um, married and moved away from Peterborough and are still you know lived out their lives here in Central New York. In central New York, did you say? Yes, here in central New York. Okay. So um, so it was not only the woman and her four children, but the husband was also freed and brought back north. Yes, he was. Okay. Yep. Now, did they have any children after their return to New York? No, just the four children. Um and the the youngest of those children, uh, Malvina, 
uh, toiled all of her days on the Garrett estate, and uh, she ran the laundry. At one point, there were a significant number of buildings on the estate, and she ran the laundry for all of those facilities. So it has now been determined that since that is one of the few structures still remaining, that building is going to be utilized to tell the story of those black Americans who who came to Peterborough and lived out their lives, but also the story of those who passed on. Peterborough, we are we are this part of the state we're very close to to Lake Ontario, which okay, is the waterway with uh, uh, pardon me? I say you're close to Canada? Yes. Um yeah. Canada, Canada is about an hour and a half north of us. And there's a large one of the Great Lakes stretches between us. On one side is is Canada, and um, one of the things that used to happen was, you know, there were ships, and there were people who captained boats, who were part of the Underground Railroad, and um, people, a significant number of people, um, went on to cross over into Canada where they could feel some, where they could breathe a sigh of relief that they wouldn't be you know, captured and sent back south. All right. Well, speaking of the uh, Underground Railroad, can you tell us about Timbuktu and John Brown? Well, John Brown, um, the, he when he first came to Peterborough, he was penniless and landless, and uh, he is now buried in the North Country um, on a farm that was, in fact, a gift from Garrett Smith. Um at one point, the New York State Legislature passed laws saying that in order for anybody to vote, they had to be a landowner. And upon hearing that, Garrett Smith promptly went out and bought a significant tract of land and began giving 100-acre plots, 100-acre, uh, you know, they ended up being homesteads and farms to people. And he had a he had a dream that, you know, that in the North Country there would be a settlement of freed blacks who would uh, work this land and, and live there in the North Country. And, in fact, John Brown's homestead is, is there north of us. I find it hey, fascinating God. that... I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Garrett Smith is reputed to be one of the secret six who, in fact, planned the raid on Harper's Ferry. Um, oh. When... When John Brown came here, and it's 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 interesting to me that that you know our, our telling of the story of the raid on Harper's Ferry and all that um, omits so much of of the realities of who John Brown was and what his both financial wherewithal and even organizational skills would have actually been able to accomplish. Um, in point of fact, it was um, Garrett Smith and five other men who had who had those skills, who who planned and financed that raid. When John Brown was, was arrested at Harpers Ferry, he had checks on him from Garrett Smith of Peterborough, New York. Subsequent, yeah, subsequent to the raid... What other notable abolitionists visited Mr. Garrett there at his estate, Mr. Smith? Well, Frederick Douglass was a regular visitor, Um I think it's it's significant to me that in this part of New York State, I mean, Frederick moved to Rochester, and there he established his newspaper. Um, Rochester is only an hour from where I'm sitting at this point. Um, 
Harriet Tubman resided in Auburn, which is only 45 minutes away um, from from where I'm speaking to you. So uh, it, it, it occurs to me that, that there was a, you know, that this was really a, a hotbed of activity and that there were uh, numerous abolitionists, some who took up residence here and others who, who were regular visitors here. It is said that William Lloyd Garrison was a regular visitor also. Um, can you tell us some more about some other families um, that, um, besides the Russell family, they were emancipated by Mr. Garrett Smith? Well, there were, as I say, there were a number of people who came north. Um, my great-grandfather came north and resided in Peterborough. Um, he, he arrived as a slave named Billy. There's some debate about how he took on the name Smith. Some say that it was because he was an accomplished blacksmith, and so it only stood the reason that he would become Billy Smith. Others tend to believe that arriving in Peterborough without a last name and feeling a sense of gratitude and uh, for for Garrett Smith's patronage and, and for what he had done for black Americans, that he, he took that name. But um, either way, the, 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 story, the story really goes like this. There there was a, a young lieutenant, a young man actually working in a dry goods store in a community called Bugville, which is just next door to Peterborough, who had born, been born and raised in Peterborough. His name was Aaron Bliss. And he enlisted in the cavalry, and before long had risen to the to the, the, the uh, to captain in the, in, the, in the cavalry. Um, on one one day, when they were in Georgia, they came upon an encampment of Confederate cavalry, and a skirmish ensued. They won the the, the skirmish, and they found this slave named Billy tending the Confederate horses. They subsequently told him that he was free, that he was now a free man and he could go his way. But rather than leave, he began to follow that troop of cavalry soldiers around from place to place, um, taking, almost acting as a valet, if you will, for the for the captain. Um, ah. He must have he must have he must have seen something in the captain that he admired, or he felt a sense of gratitude. Or, but that's that's in fact what he did. Um, it was only a month or so after that skirmish that the captain was captured by the Confederates and spent time in a, you know, I'm told, five different Confederate prisons. Now, those were pretty unsavory places in those days, certainly, and there was a, a significant amount of death and disease. It's pretty incredible that he was able to survive five different prison camps, Um he was able to do that because my great-grandfather followed him from prison camp to prison camp across the deep south, getting jobs in the prisons as a cook and working in the kitchens, and he snuck food to his friend, the captain, helping him keep, keeping, to, keeping him strong enough to survive the ordeal. And that was your great-grandfather, uh, who was a slave William, William um, and this Billy is not the surname, uh, Smith. Yes. Okay. Uh, getting back to uh, Frederick Douglass and uh, Garrett Smith, I understand there's a picture of them when they were protesting against the Fugitive Law of 1850. 
Um, what do you know about that law, and what did you say about uh, Mr. Garrett's political career, Mr. Garrett Smith's political career, and his involvement with Frederick Douglass? Do you know if he ever um, got involved with Abraham Lincoln and such? Well, um, my understanding is that they, that that was they were the the abolitionists hereabouts were outraged about the fugitive slave law, and so they they planned to have a meeting in the in the city of Utica, um, and this story really goes to the heart of how passionate was the South, I mean the North was actually about abolishing slavery because in point of fact, when the abolitionists Con, uh, convened in Utica, they were driven out of Utica um, by an organized mob, which included local clergymen, um, state senators, and the mayor. And Garrett Smith said, "Well, you can. I have. I have land. You can come to my house." And they reconvened in a little place called Casanova. Um, and. It was pretty much at that 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 was a seminal event, if you will, in in something that helped Garrett Smith to the uh, it was a turning point, shall we say. Up until then he had been one of those who supported repatriation. From that point forward he was an ardent abolitionist. And uh I actually have a picture hanging on the wall of my parlor. Um they photography was a new a new thing at that time, and they all gathered for a photo in an apple orchard there in Casanova. And in the picture is William Lloyd Garrison, Frederick Douglass, Garrett Smith, and uh, quite a crowd of people. There are two girls called the Edmonston Sisters who were the featured guests of the day as they had just been um, spirited out of slavery and brought north. In fact, the man who helped to accomplish that was, in fact, captured along the way, so he couldn't be there with them. And they they also had lovely singing voices, I'm told, and they graced the 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 gathering with several songs. Okay. I understand you had a, a Emancipation Day this past weekend. Can you tell us yes, a little bit did. about that uh, festivity, that celebration? Well, in... It came about because I, I had think, someone had sent me some newspaper articles. They started about in the mid to mid, mid to early twenties and went through 1936. And uh, there was probably six or eight articles that I read spanning those years that spoke about Emancipation Day celebrations, which took place in Peterborough. And I found them very moving. Um, in one, the final one in 1936, there were over 4,000 people gathered, and they talked about bands playing all day and three-legged races and baseball games and and uh, fireworks displays in the evening. But the the, the focus, the, yes, there was there was uh, joyous celebration and there was festivities, but there was also a real solemn aspect to it, which was remembering those slaves who who were still there. Um, many of them were still alive at that point, but also paying homage to Garrett Smith. He had passed on, his son was there, his grandson, I'm sorry, and black people from all across central New York came, sometimes from hours away, to pay their respects to this family that they felt they owed a debt of gratitude to. 
So I was very moved by all of that, and I, I thought to myself, this is something we should do again. So and so, several how years, long ago did you start this celebration? How long has it been started, going on now? This year was our third year. Third year. And uh, our third year, yes, and uh, that, that was after a 75-year hiatus. So uh, we've been very encouraged. You know, um, it, it started off by reaching out to those. Literally, I told you about those 25 or 30 families that lived in Peterborough. We got contact yeah. information for where their ancestors or where their descendants might be, and we, you know, wrote and emailed people. Um, and lo and behold, they, they 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 arrived. And we've been each year. There's been over a hundred people gathered um, to celebrate and to share, and it's been it's been just a wonderful experience. Um, I actually believe that I was the only male Smith remaining from my father's family. And the first year I met two wonderful, distinguished men, um, and I, 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 they were Smiths when I said, we, we must be related in some way. And come to find out, our grandfathers were brothers, and these were men that I had yet to even meet. And they've been coming every year since. So it's been a wonderful, a wonderful effort. But we, we still have a lot of dreams and aspirations for, for that event. There in Peterborough, is uh, Garrett's Estate a historical site now? Yes, it is. Um, it is? How long has it been a historical site? Well, there has been a core group of people um, working. They actually formed a not-for-profit called the Smithfield Community Association, and they have been working diligently. In fact, they were the ones who gave me inspiration. They've been working for over 20 years to um, preserve the history of Peterborough and its important contribution, you know, to to this American experience. Um, so we, I, I certainly owe a debt of gratitude to them. Uh, can you explain to us the um, the National Abolitionist Hall of Fame? Is it there in Peterborough? Yes, yes. that's an effort that is uh, that has grown out of the Smithfield Community Association in an effort to bring attention and recognition to those individuals who worked so diligently and so significantly on behalf of abolition to begin an Abolition Hall of Fame. And each year, new members are enacted, um, and there's a ceremony held and, and dinner and speakers, and um, it, it's really quite a moving thing. Uh, two years ago when I was in attendance, one of the descendants of John Brown came and spoke to us, and it was an incredibly moving experience. What would we see if we uh, were to visit Peterborough today? You know, convince us to come up that way. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you if you came to Peterborough today, you 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 would unfortunately the original mansion house burnt down, and many of the structures, the original structures, fell into disrepair and were torn down. But what we have done is, is you know, mark the original footprint. Um, we have begun to, to place signage, key signage, describing what took place and uh, at various places in the, within the community. There is a, a an old building which has multiple uses now. Uh, it houses the National Abolition Hall of Fame. 
It was originally a Presbyterian church. Um, my father, who was born in 1912, told me that when he was a young man, it was a school, and he went to school there. But I have had local historians tell me that in their mind, it is probably one of the most historic buildings in all of New York State because it is, in fact, in that building that on more than one occasion, abolitionists the like of which Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, came and spoke. Um, and that building is, is still in Peterborough and, and can be uh, toured. The land sale office that Derek Smith toiled in 12 hours a day, um, making his land sales, um, is still there. So what we other, feel like we're... What other historical attractions are around uh, Peterborough? I know you mentioned Frederick Douglass lived not too far. Harriet Tubman was in the neighborhood. Yeah. So if we come to that area, it's you know, could we travel around and and visit some if other historical? Yeah, there are there are at least two abolitionist uh, sites, like the home of Harriet Tubman, um, and in Rochester, the uh, the home of Frederick Douglass. And another significant site. One of the things that I didn't mention is that, uh, and I I see this all as a. Um, there is a there is a uh, so many other things spun out of what those abolitionists were doing. At the time, they were very few in number, and so they decided that they would they would enlist the aid of a number of women in their cause. And in fact, at one point, they they circulated a petition which got over a million names, which they then sent to Congress. Congress refused to officially recognize they'd received it. But collecting a million names in the 1850s was a significant task and a significant undertaking, and most of that undertaking was accomplished by women. Um, those women were Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Um, in fact, Elizabeth Cady Stanton met her husband at Garrett Smith's home. So... After the war, these ladies got together after the free the slaves were freed, and they said to themselves, "My goodness, you know, we've accomplished this, but there's something yet undone, and it is the right of women to be fully participating in this society and have the right to vote." So they began the women's movement in a little place just down the road from here called Seneca Falls, and that is right in, in the same vicinity. One could very easily visit the birthplace of the women's rights movement in Seneca Falls, and also visit Harriet Tubman's home in, in the same day. Uh, for those of, those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to the Gifts of Freedom, Block Talk Rodeo, uh, Radio, producers Leslie Gist. I am your host. My name is Preston Washington. If you'd like to call in or make a comment or ask a question, Try calling us at 949-270-5957. Our guest is Alden Max Smith, who is filling us in on the history of Peterborough, New York, the abolitionist activity around that area uh, that his family was involved in, great-grandfather and other family members. Um, Mr. Garrett Smith, who was the son of Peter Smith and... They were all friends with Harriet Tubman and Mr. Garrison and 
uh, Frederick Douglass. Uh, now, the dates in September, is there something coming up in September? Hello? Yeah, um, you know, I'm... <laughs> The the association is has regular regular meetings. I'm not completely up to speed on what programming they have, but I know what we try to do is is throughout the summer months is to conduct regular um, have speakers in and uh, have programming that would be interesting and informative to to anyone who might you know choose to to, to stop in and, and visit us. Okay. Uh, tell me, the, um, tell me, Alvin, did uh, Garrett Smith or ever run for political office? He actually ran for political office several times. He served. What um, he served in Congress. His uh, his second term in Congress, however, he re he he resigned his office in disgust, feeling that uh, nothing could be accomplished. Nothing good could be accomplished there. Um, uh, not Changed, has it? <laughs> he also ran for president three times. Three times. Um, yes. And you know, it, I, I think it's, it's it's to me just so significant that someone who ran for president of the United States um, would be kind of forgotten from the history books. But because not only did he run for president, one has to consider what were the main tenets of his platform. And the tenet, the main tenets of his platform were to to recognize American Indians as fully participating in our society, full citizenship rights with the right to vote. The same thing for slaves: immediately free the slaves, make them fully participating in the American experience. And then finally, that women should be immediately given the right to vote. Now, when you consider that, here's a man who's taking those positions which we now would all embrace, most of us anyway, um, and which, you know, but he was, that he was advocating these things in the 1850s is pretty incredible. What do you think uh, personally, Alvin, of the significance of uh, Garrett's quest to manipulate the voting turnout and how that relates to today's upcoming election and the problems with uh, voter suppression? <clears throat> I think he's probably he turning over in his grave. <laughs> you know um, that that we that 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 we would go to such great lengths in this point at this point in our history to disenfranchise people and to make it more difficult for them to vote is, is just mind-boggling. I mean, I I I myself have been involved in politics. Uh, I've run for office any number of times for the city council. Um, in the in the town in which I reside, and what an eye opener that was for me to 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 learn firsthand really how difficult it is to even run for political office with the, with the petition drives and all, all the signatures that have to be collected and all of the things that we put in the way ultimately of engaging people within in the political process. One would think that it would be just the opposite. So there was already enough in the way of, of engaging people in this whole process that, that that we would now cause people to have to get special kinds of identification and drive significant differences and spend money that they they may not have simply to exercise their right to vote. For me, it's 
is it just leaves me speechless. What's incredible is that it's being justified by by some concept that somehow people are voting who don't have a right to vote. <laughs> what do you think Garrett would do in that in today's situation? I think he would be uh, appalled, and 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 I think that you know as was his. His, his standard throughout his life, he would have put he would have put the full force of his will and his intellect and his economic might to bear um, to right that wrong. Garrett is a real inspiration for me because you you often hear tell you know stories about people who did great things and and all of that, but um, no one in my mind that I've ever known who has been has been so willing to put not just a portion of their wealth and energy, but all of their wealth and energy forward on behalf of such a noble cause. I mean, the, the stories go on and on and on. They're endless. Um, when when black people began to move to Peterborough, there was a reaction, a negative reaction from several of the churches there that said they, did not, they didn't want to worship with, with black folk. Garrett Smith promptly christened a new church building and began his own church, a fully integrated church. But that's the that's the kind of man he was. I see. He always took, um, he took where would church. one get get a good biography, uh, some good reads on uh Mr. Garrett Smith? He, anything you could share with our audience on that? Uh there is an author called Norman Dan. That's Norman, Norman. Dan. Van, okay. Dan, uh, D as in David, A N, and he oh, has Dan, written. Got it. He, he resides. He's a uh, a former professor in one of the colleges near here, and he has spent a number of years researching and studying the life of Garrett Smith. He is also uh, a charter member of the Smithfield Association, the organization I told you about earlier, uh, working to protect this history and. He has written no less than four books on Garrett Smith. I'm sure if, if one were to Google that name, you would you would come across uh, some of those some of those texts. And how would one contact you um, if you are available? If they would have further questions or wanted more information, do you have a website or some place that you could be contacted? Yeah, uh, they could. Anyone could email me. Um, my email address is Smith Alden. That's A L D E N at MSN dot com. Uh, could you say that again, please? Smith Alden, and that's spelled A L D E N at MSN dot com. Okay, and I'll say it one more time for our audience, and that's Smith Alden A L D E N at msn.com, C-O-M. What would you suggest to families today that would have a connection to abolitionist history, and and how would they uh, form and conduct their reunions uh, towards preserving some of that history? Any suggestions for those families? My my initial suggestion would be to step out in faith, Sometimes the you know organizing something like this, and when you especially if you're if you're a novice to it and you don't have a great deal of experience, it can be a little bit intimidating. 
but uh, it needn't be. Um, reach out to friends and family and others who have information and have a willingness to share uh, that information and uh, begin to, to compile those histories and um, put down those narratives, tell those stories, and, 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 and it will, I assure you, take on a life of its own. Well, I'm impressed, uh, Alden, as a genealogist. Smith is not an easy name to research. A uh, very difficult name, especially amongst African Americans. Smith and Jackson, I think, are probably the toughest names of all. Um, well, I, in that regard, I've been very fortunate because because so much of the because of Garrett Smith and the abolitionists who came there, there's been so much interest in and around Peterborough on the part of a, of a few local historians that much of that groundwork had already been done for me. So oh, I see. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's more that we need to add to it. But, uh, for example, there's a, a wonderful lady um, named Donna Burdick. She's not a descendant of a slave. She's a descendant of a white family who lived in Peterborough. And... She is a walking treasure trove of the history of Peterborough. And when she heard about what we were planning on doing and and how we wanted to re revitalize this Emancipation Day celebration, she came to us and she had file folders on 23 or 24 families uh, who had lived in Peterborough. Uh, it, it was amazing to me. I mean... <laughs> The things that she knew, and, and who begat whom, and who married whom, and where they were buried—it it, was—it was just phenomenal. Okay, our producers noticed that we're running out of time here. Um, did Garrett have any schools and hospitals? Yes. Uh, did he do that sort of philanthropy uh, kind of work? Yes, he did. In fact, he established a trade school. Um, it was one of the first schools in this area. I don't know about the remainder of the country, but he established, he thought it was very important that that black men and um, could could come and learn skills um, and trades, and so he, he established a school for that for that to happen. Um, I'm told that the the 54th Massachusetts, which is featured in the movie Glory, um, the chaplain from that 54th, was a young man who had attended school in Garrett Smith School. Okay. Uh, do you have any uh, parting remarks or words for our audience? We're just about out of time. Um, this is the Block Talk Radio Show, Gist of Freedom, produced by Leslie Gist, author and historian. My name is Preston Washington. I've been your host. Our guest is Mr. Alvin Max Smith, who's been um, enlightening us on the abolitionist uh, activity around Peterborough, New York, which his family was involved in. So do you have any last words for us, Alvin? I guess but the last thought that I would leave with, uh, with anyone listening is that it's very important that we preserve and save this history because it, 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 it really is the American history. Um, it's, not, it's not only our history, it's everyone's history. And we, we shouldn't 
let that history be distorted or let major pieces be lost. Um, it's important that, that, that as much as possible of the truth of and the reality of what happened um, is preserved and shared with future generations. Well, thank you. Um, I'm sure our guests uh, are very well informed. I know that I am. Um, and I've got some checking up to do. And it's Mr. Norman Dan and his four books. And uh learn a little bit more about Mr. Garrett Smith and the abolitionist uh, uh, people in that area, uh, Harriet Tuckman and Frederick Douglass and Mr. Garrison. I want to thank you again, uh, Alden, for um, visiting with us here on Block Talk Radio, The Gist of Freedom. Uh, good night. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. I have an announcement here. Uh, the Still family will be celebrating their 105th, 45th reunion this weekend, uh, this weekend Sunday in Longside. Um, you could visit Leslie's website, and that is www.thegistoffreedom.com. I'll say that one more time. www.thegist, of freedom.com. Thank you for joining us, and we shall see you the next time around. Thank you. Good night. Good evening and blessings, and welcome to another installment.